0: Today it's my privilege to stand here and bring the ninth commandment and to uh, be able to share with you God's truth. Father, we ask you to bless thy truth because Jesus said your word is truth and we know it to be so. So, Lord, unveil it by thy spirit to our hearts. Give wisdom and power that we might not only hear it, but also do it. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Oh, so (laughs) I think we're there. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Pretty simple, isn't it? In fact, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine words. In the Hebrew language, there's only five words. (laughs) And as I looked at those five words, I said, Lord, those five words are powerful words. If we know them and obey them, they will change the face of the church. They will change the face of your life. And thank you, Lord, for that commandment. Because all the commandments that we've seen as you've gone through and as Pastor Lou so aptly has done to show us how they fit into our world and how they fit into our lives as believers. You shall not bear fault with it. Bear fault witness against your neighbor. We're all used to the thought in this saying: "The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth." So help me God. Now, hopefully, too many you haven't had to have too many of those episodes in front of judges, but uh, often they appear at different times. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Well, today we're going to be looking at what that really means here in this passage to be ones who are people of truth. As we start off today, we're going to go to what I call the foundation of a truthful witness, because God wants us to be a truthful witness. He wants us to, whatever we attest to, whatever we say, will be people of truth. But where does this truth come from? Well, the Bible is very replete about where it comes from. In fact, it says, So he that blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. And he that takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth. Israel had a wonderful opportunity to obey this commandment because God who led them was the God of truth. And everything about him and everything about what he does, says, and how he leads us is truth. In fact, it's been called by many theologians to be the foundational attribute of God himself. You know, in our culture right now, there is a culture of lying. I hate to say that. Some of you, we watch the news, we talk to people, we hear of people, we even see Christian leaders even recently who were in a period of deception and had to ask for forgiveness and we looked at him and said, "Let Lord help us, help us to be people of truth." There's somebody who put the, a, together a list of ten people who were who lied in a very very powerful way. And we go back into 1968, the first time I ever voted for a United States president. Uh, his name was Richard Nixon. And poor Richard Nixon was brought up on charges that he knew about a a break-in in in the Democratic headquarters at Watergate. And he said he had no involvement in it, but then it came out that he did. And it ended up that he had to resign from the presidency of the United States. He was impeached by the House and released by the Senate. But still, it it, it hurt him terribly because he said, my mother brought me up in church to not do that. And I, I apologize for that, which I thought was wonderful. But then the second American president to do the same in my lifetime was President Clinton about a relationship he had, uh, an immoral relationship, and he said he didn't do it. And of course we all know about this. I'm not talking out of school here. It was, it was hard on the country. It was hard on him and his family. And he, he also was, he was, he was impeached, but, uh, Again, he was let go by the Senate and which still stings us now. And we also saw, I'm only going to use three of them, uh, Bernie Madoff, that name Madoff, who stole more money in from, any, from his investors in the history of the United States, $50 billion. And he did it in an in a, a, a elementary Ponzi scheme way. Took your money, paid that person. Took your money, paid that person until the the house of cards came down. The only problem with people lying at those levels, by the way, is that it does have a way of hurting the nation, hurting families, and lying on the part of any of us can hurt people. They can rip families apart. It can rip the church apart. The truth is always best, but that's always sometimes... Sometimes a thing that people don't do. But we serve the God of truth. You stay close to him. You get near him uh, by faith and strength. And he starts speaking to your life. You start reading his word. You start living the way he wants you to live. And you will be a person of truth. Because you serve the God of truth. There is no lying in him. And then we come down to his son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way... The truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If nothing else, when we saw Jesus come, as it were, God, Emmanuel in shoe leather, God in shoe leather among us, we could see what God is like. And He is Jesus. He is God the Son. He said, I am the truth. And so when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you stay with him and you you rejoice in him because he begins to make you the person of truth that God always wanted you to be. And when you find stuff in your system and you're not living right, and you may I may be talking to people in here today that just haven't been able to come to truth on something, and you don't have to confess it today, but I will tell you this. Find somebody you can trust. Start with truth. And God will God will honor you for that. And truth will be that which is victory in Christ. So he says, I am the way, I am the truth. But thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the Lord of truth. In fact, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, he dwells with you and will be in you. He is the Spirit of truth. Christ is the truth. The Father says, he is the God of truth. Without a doubt, we have a great way to start, don't we? We have when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you for your sin and become a child of the living God, through your faith in him, you now begin a life of truth in the strongest way because all three members of the Trinity are the truth. There is no lie in them. Uh, in this foundational piece, I have some subpoints which you don't have up there, but God's foundational attribute is is truth. That's who I want to follow. Secondarily, God cannot lie. Lord, I'm sorry. I can, you cannot, but don't let me. Help me. He can't sin. Some some weird person came up with this thing and said, "Can God make a rock so heavy that He can't lift it?" Nonsense. He could do all things. All things are possible. You ought to ask this question. God cannot lie. And if God cannot lie, what does he want from me? He can't lie. First Samuel says, The God of Israel will not lie. Numbers twenty three, nineteen, which is a wonderful verse for this, he says, God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should change his mind. Take you're right there the son of man, that he should change his mind or lie. He has spoken, and he will do it. Romans 3, 4 says, Let God be true, and every man a liar. Men lie, but God cannot. Can you trust somebody that can't lie? Do you ever get lied to? Boy, as a city mission director, I've been lying every which way but loose, man. I'll say, really? In 38 years, I always kid people about the guy who died, who who I recall his mother dying twice. You know, because they'll come in and they'll say, uh, I need some money to go home. My mother died in Jersey or something like that. And then, so, then a couple of years later, they'll come back and repeat the same type of stuff. I'll say, boy, that was a miracle. <laughs> well, I was eating potatoes, and the potatoes got in my stomach and fermented. And that's why I didn't pass the breathalyzer. I have heard that one way too many times. I'm saying, I'm sorry that that doesn't work. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But God cannot lie. And pastor went to Hebrews 6, not too long ago. By two unchangeable things, it is impossible, get this, impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that's set before us. We have this... Sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, this hope, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone. So basically, God cannot lie. He promised, and then he, he took an oath by his very own self that you can have eternal life in Jesus Christ. He is your hope. He's in heaven and the holiest of holies, and someday will bring you there with him. You will be in his presence. And I'm thinking, Lord, thank you, because you cannot lie. I would not want to trust everybody with that one, would you? But you can trust a God who cannot lie to be everything you need, to be your Savior, to be your Lord, and to be your Deliverer, and to bring you to heaven. That's why believers stick with him. Because he is the top, he is the non-lying top of everything. Lord, thank you for that. He cannot. And then, I love this one here, God's word will always be fulfilled. Anything he tells you in the scriptures, which by the way, Jesus said, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth, John seventeen, seventeen. Everything God tells you, you can trust to the very last day you are on this earth. The reason I say that, I love what Joshua said. He's, he's an old man. <laughs> you still believe in that God of truth, Joshua? Yeah, let me tell you what I think. He says, now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know, in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But then he says, we've disobeyed, but he didn't. And he goes on to tell them to serve the Lord, because I'm going home, he said. And God promised, and I'm believing him. And that's why at the age of 65, I'm more excited about him and what he has told me than ever before in my life. But you'll learn to trust the God of Truth, and plus the fact that He hates lies. You know, I mean, we we just started today with a few choice major lies in this United States, and we find that it's very easy for us for liars to excuse other liars, <laughs> right? <laughs> to say, "Okay, man, well, was it wasn't good, but you know, men are men, women are women, we do things like that." But the Bible says that God hates lies. In fact, there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes and a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness that breathes out lies. God He's the foundation of our truth. So when we speak about truth today, it's not a foreign language to us who know Christ and know this book. It is the very heartbeat attribute of God that says, I am truth. What about you, believer? And I say, Lord, I want to be of the truth. Secondarily, we'll go to the second point today. Because we we can get lost here in a quick minute. And I don't want to do that. I got my watch here. The fallout of a lying witness. We talked about today, he said, do not be a uh, Ed Sikor. Somebody said, what's Ed Sikor? It's just two little Hebrew words that mean don't be a false witness. Ed is a good name. Some of you would probably be Ed here. But, yeah, you know, Ed is a witness. That means witness. But we'll talk about that later. And Sikor, which is not cigar, Ed cigar, it's not that. It's Ed, and Sikor means, you know, a, a false, something pseudo, something wrong. Don't be a false witness. Well, the fallout when you hire one. The Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love, no knowledge of God in the land, no swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. He says lying. Now this is a beautiful verse from Hosea. And Hosea took the Ten Commandments and kind of paraphrased them. Not paraphrased, but groped them in one place. And he broadened the category. So said, some people say, well, I've never lied in court. Well, no, but God didn't mean it for just to be, you could get off the witness stand and go and lie your brains out. No, he is saying, you can't do that. Because the inhabitants of the land are not faithful anymore, the Lord said to Hosea they're lying. They're telling false witnesses, but they're they're a country of liars. Lord, help us. We don't want to destroy our homes and churches and families and communities, reputations and careers and lives and testimony. Remember, truth is from heaven. Lying is from hell itself. And we'll be looking at that as we go forth. The ninth commandment Initially, started to be a courtroom context. I always try to stay out of court if I can. <laughs> or civil justice. In the Old Testament, the main way of deciding who was guilty was not fingerprints. Don't leave your fingerprints somewhere. It wasn't that. It wasn't your DNA is on the coffee cup you were drinking. So they didn't have that. It wasn't, oh no, I went through the... the, the the traffic signal, and it took my picture in my face and sent me a ticket. Did you ever have that happen to you? <laughs> that's called forensic evidence. <laughs> they got your picture. Smile, you know. And also, did I say that? Yeah, your phone was on, and I heard that. You know what I mean? you ever have that happen? You thought it was, you know, stopped. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and that's, you know, can I get a witness? In the Old Testament, well, then how did you tell the truth in court? Witnesses, right? On the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. You know, they say sticks and stones may bake my bones, but words will uh, never hurt me. It's not true. Lying words can hurt deeply, and especially if they cause your death. When somebody lied about you in court. We've seen that happen in the U.S. court system. Broken families and reputations can end, can, can, can be a big problem when somebody starts to lie. So can I get a witness? I hope so. And I hope the witness is a good one. Because if he lies like that happened, the entire system of civil justice in the land of Israel falls down. And God says, no, it won't, because we're going to do some things, and we're not going to let that, let that happen. Well, what about an infamous lying witness in Israel? And we all know about this story. But one day, King Ahab went outside, and he saw that his, his whole campus of what he owned wasn't good. He wanted a vegetable garden, and he went to buy it and kind of manipulate the guy around. The guy said, no, God gave it to our family. I can't sell it it's against the law of God. Well he sulked, and Jezebel said, don't worry about it, I'll get it. She wrote forged letters to the leaders saying, proclaim a fast, set Naboth at the head of the people, set two people opposite him, and let them bring a charge against him, saying, you have cursed God and the king, and take him out and stone him to death. And that's what happened. Two witnesses got up and said, we heard you. You cursed King Ahab, and you cursed Jehovah God of Israel. We heard it. Oh, I, I heard it too, Okay, we don't need anything else. We have two witnesses. You abide by your testimony. Yep. They took him out and stoned him and his sons, if you follow through, and they took his garden. Of course, Ahab didn't know that his good friend, Elijah, showed up in the garden and said, Hey, you guys just stepped over the line. Went way too far on this one. Now God's going to kill you, Ahab? And the dogs are going to deal with you and lick up your blood, and they're going to kill your wife. They're going to eat her, and which they did. It's a gruesome story. You can go in the Book of Kings and see it. But the fact of the matter, it was a prime case of what happens when the ninth commandment breaks down in civil community. When there's too much lying. Lord, deliver the United States from a period of lying. I'm not bringing up anybody's lies right now. I'm just saying, Lord, don't allow us to do what Israel did, and that was to form a lie society. And it was from the top down that it happened in this case. Infamous lying. More than just lying in court, a false witness when he lied in courtroom or the city was lying in front of the whole nation. Hosea. Hosea. But where does it come from, all this lying? Liar, liar, pants on fire, and all the other things that we talk about. When we just, I remember coming down the hill in Ravenna area, I'm telling a tale out of school here, but the officer, I saw the lake going, he said, uh, I was a young man there, I was just, but I was a believer, a young believer. He said, you know why I'm stopping you? I looked at him and said, no. And the Lord said, "Liar, liar, pants on fire." <laughs> I said, uh, right, "Right from the start of it, I knew I had just lied in front of Him." He came back. He said, "You know, you were speeding. That's why I talked to you. <laughs> you know, the young people who like to speed, and I was speeding, and I, I got caught, and I got a fine, and paid the fine." But I thought that has never—I've never forgotten that because I lied to a police officer. Now you say, "Well, it was a small lie." Sometimes they call them little white lies, or this, that, or that but it was a lie. I should have said, yes, sir. I was really hitting it, wasn't I? (laughs) He said, yes, you were. (laughs) And now you're going to pay the penalty. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well, what was the first known lie? The Bible says, you are of your father the devil and you will do your father's desires. He had nothing to do with the truth. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a a liar and the father of lies. So whenever we join that crowd and we start lying, we're on his team. We're doing what he likes to see happen. We're doing what he leads, What 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 uh, is going to lead us totally away from the truth. Lord, forgive me. Lord, when we are people of the truth, we follow the God of truth, the Son of God who is the embodiment of truth, and the Spirit of God who leads us in truth because he lives in our soul. He said, no, you come the truth way, come the truth way, come the truth way. And we said, no, I, I think I'm going to lie. We look like the devil's kids when we're doing it. And that's the problem. Oh, Lord. The fallout from a lying witness. The Heidelberg confession. It says, don't give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words. Don't gossip or slander or join condemning anyone rashly without a hearing. Rather, in court and in everywhere else, avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are the devices that the devil uses. And they will call down on me God's intense wrath. I submit that love the truth, speak it candidly, openly, and acknowledge it. And I should and 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 I should guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Because really, this commandment is more than just telling me to speak the truth. It's to protect my neighbor, whom I should love, care for, and want the best for. But when I start lying about him. I've totally. Totally failed him, and now i'm harming him Lord help me that I know that this was one of god's ways not just to obey God and love him but also to love my neighbor as myself and so the truth needs to help my neighbor and I, and we all have neighbors at some level either around us at court i mean at work or wherever we go we have people we dare not do anything like that well lying may have more consequences though than these people have Experience. God wrote this in there. Don't you just love the Lord when his word hits you right where you should be? You may get your just desserts, because if a malicious witness rises against to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to, to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priest and the judges who are in the office. The judges shall inquire diligently if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he meant to do to his brother." Oh, this was a capital offense, and this guy will get the death penalty, but you lied, so guess who gets that? You. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, I stepped over the line. You lied too much, you might get the sentence. God did that on purpose, because the Bible says, the rest shall fear, and shall never again commit any such thing. God says, are you had enough of that one? Yes, Lord. Like a trial are you feeling like you'll do right now? You've been in whatever discipline you gave them, and he sniffling says, yes, I, I will. Well, God says, have you had enough false witness? But in case it was death, it was the last throw. We'll, but then I put, who will throw the first stone? On the evidence of two witnesses or three, one who is going to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of just one witness. That's God's control. The hand of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of the people. So the stones were handed out to the people who witnessed against him. So you witnessed against him, and you're going to put him to death and compound your sin. Jesus used that very effectively in the Gospels of John, when he said, you know, the one among you who has no sin, and that was uh, not Gonna be true, they all had their sin, and some of them terrible sins against the master who said, you gotta throw the first stone. That's what the law says, nobody threw any stones. And how about the cat's got your tongue? Your wife ever tell you that? Oh, the cat got your tongue now? I ask you a question, you know. Mum's the word, mute. It's like you mute the TV, you're mute, you're not saying no thing. I see no thing, I say nothing, you know. (laughs) Okay. The Bible says, if a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something he has seen or heard, he will be held responsible. So they think, well, if I say nothing, even though they just said, has anybody seen anything? (laughs) Does anybody know anything about this? And you're talking to a civil authority, and you say nothing. And then they find out later that you did know. That's what happened to Nixon. They didn't, he said, I, I, I didn't know nothing about it. Then they, the Supreme Court said, let's hear the tapes. Said, y- you knew about this big time. <laughs> Don't be silent. Oh, Lord. justice! Earth, God put that in place even today for those who won't leave their lies and lying is their choice. He says the liars, all liars shall end up in the lake which burns with fire. That's a scary thing. One day a man sent 10 cents to the IRS. Most of us don't even like to hear the word IRS. We don't like to talk to them or send anything to them, especially our taxes. And, but he sent 10 cents and with a letter. It said, I decided I'd round off what I owed you, and I kept back 10 cents. But then I was reading my Bible, and it said, all liars shall go to the lake which burns with fire. And he said, I was really lying, so I'm sending this 10 cents to you. This is a true story. I'm sending this 10 cents to the IRS. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, Lord, have thank you. There's another liar amongst us, and he's getting it right. And the IRS thought, this is the most crazy letter we could receive. What is this, 10 cents? <laughs> this believer's worried about 10 cents. Does he know the type of things that people leave us with? <laughs> oh, boy. The last one is a tough one on the church, early church. The drop-dead lie. The apostles are up there. They're, it's, it's a wonderful environment. People are selling their properties. They're selling cars and boats and whatever. I'm just kidding you. But they, they, they're they selling everything, and they're bringing it to the apostles, and they're kind of trying to figure out how we're we going to get the church of Jerusalem started well, how how we going to help and take care of needs and, and everything. And then here comes this guy... In the church member, his name is Ananias, and he had just sold his property to him and his wife, and they bring the money to the apostles and say, "Here it is. We'll just use the word50,000. I don't know what they sold it for, but we'll speculate 50. Here's the 50 grand. Well, Peter said, well, you sold it for a hundred thousand, <laughs> And now you're telling us you're giving us everything, but you kept 50." Now, these numbers are fictitious, but the fact of the matter is they wanted to look good in front of the whole group. It was just a little momentary financial fudge. We all do it, you know, doctor up a little document here and boom. He said, yeah, yeah, I did. He told him, Peter said, okay. Why has Satan, again, we're going back to the father alive. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the land? It was yours, it remained, it didn't, rem- it was yours after it was sold. It was at your disposal. Why is it you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down, breathed his last, and great fear fell upon everybody. Because you know what I think? I think in the church, even at that time, beginning time, God's saying, you're going to stay pure, and we're not going to let these small sins, so called, ruin and bring in a culture of lying into the church. Lord, help us not to have that culture. And so he died. Whoo! Lord, did he go to heaven? I think he did. (laughs) I think he's in glory. Got a little spanking of his life. (laughs) Just like those Greeks did in Corinth, where my grandfather's from Corinth, Greece. And those Greeks, some of them died when they messed around with the communion table. But the fact of the matter is his wife came in three hours later and told the same lie. And she died. And great fear fell on the church and that they said, we're not going to have a lying culture here. We're not lying. The stakes are too high and we have a God who is the God of truth. Oh, keep moving. The impact of a, the impact of a truthful witness. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The ninth commandment tells us not to lie, and Paul tells us, don't be a liar, put away falsehood, and speak the truth to your neighbor, because we're members of one another. When I tell you the truth, it blesses your life. Even if the truth is hard, my mother always said, tell the truth, it'll hurt, but it's the best way. And she learned that by by. My experience. I'll never forget some of those lessons she told me when I was just a little kid. Because lying is tough. That's why people come to a pastor. It hurt. Pastor Ray Pritchard said someone came to see him. He was amazed. He said I was he, he, he came in and he said, Pastor, I want to tell you what I've been doing. I want to tell you why and my life is miserable and I wrecked my family. I want to tell you everything. I'm keeping back nothing. I'm gonna tell you everything about it. He said, I'm so sick of it. I was, the biggest fear I had in my life was to come in here and, 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 and let you think of something different of me and everything. And so I was going to you know, hide the truth. He said, no, I'm not. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Here it is. <laughs> when it was over, he said, I said, you're 90% of the way home. <laughs> the hardest part is deciding to tell the truth. <laughs> From here on out, it gets better. And I thought, Lord, that's the way it is. It's crucial that we tell the truth. Believers in Christ make sure they practice and avoid the sins of deception like gossip, half-truth, slander, sinful silence, bait and switch. That means, I tell you this, but really later I'm going to do this. In the car industry, it makes people real bad when they bait you and then you come later and you pick up your car and it doesn't have what they said. I had one of my men at the mission get fired for that. He was doing salesman's jobs. I said, well, don't bait and switch anymore, and you won't have that problem. Just be honest. Jesus said, out of the mouth comes a lot of different evil things, but he said that there's false witness that comes out of the mouth. Lord, help us in our verbal attacks. We need to practice the truth, in other words, and when they see us practice the truth, they'll know that the light is shining through us. If your neighbors or if your, people you work with and others say, you know, that man doesn't tell the truth very often. And then you say, well, let me tell you about the truth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they're going to say, yeah, is that kind of like the truth that you've been living in front of all of us? Well, I'm not sure I want any of that, any more of that. So it's crucial that if we want to do it, if we want people to know the truth, that we have to go out there and practice it. Well, we're going to continue to go here. I think we're just about... We have plenty of time. I I only have one more point after this. But I wanted to go to the Zechariah one. Practice true truth and advance the truth. In the Old Testament book of Zechariah 8, the Lord knew he had to put that in here. But in the Old Testament, he says, speak the truth to one another. Zechariah 8, 16. Render in your gates judgments that are true, because a lot of the courtrooms were at the gate of the city. Render in your gates things that are true. Make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath. For all these things I hate, says the Lord. And then the Lord makes this beautiful promise in verse three of that chapter. I will return to Zion. I know it, Jesus, because you're all over the book of Zechariah if you never read it. I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and Jerusalem will call the city of truth. I'm thinking, Lord, oh, that our cities would be called the cities of truth. And love and truth, by the way, go together. We won't talk about that, but wherever truth and love are in the Old Testament, they're always together. Hesed, which is our agape, but the Old Testament, hesed and Amet, which is truth, they all appear together. Hesed, emet, hesed, emet, hesed, emet. I said, Lord, these are the twins. They always show up. Yes, he said, because truth goes along with love, with my unconditional love. I love you, and I tell the truth to you. I used to have a professor who said Philadelphia. He said Filthy Delphia, the city of Brotherly Shove. And I thought, oh boy, I don't know. And if you live in Philadelphia, I'm not trying to take you down. (laughs) But that's just, he was from Philadelphia. But the fact of the matter, I'm thinking, Lord, help us to be called the church where truth is taught where the church where truth is practiced, where the church is uh, doing the job of bringing the truth because his word is truth. You are the light of the world, he said. They want to see your good works. Last point, the importance of a gospel witness. Because he said, don't give a false witness. Well, what about a gospel witness? You will receive power, Jesus told them. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Witnesses. If you were to take the Greek-written Old Testament to the Ninth Commandment and look at it, the word, "ed" appears there, but in the Greek language it would say mar- "martus," martyr, we get our word martyr, and it means be a martyr for Christ, be a martyr for God, a witness. That means I'm willing to be a martyr. And I want to tell you really what he's saying there. He's saying that, we need to be able to give what it takes to tell others about the truth of Jesus Christ. Even for many believers in the world today, if I have to give my life, I will be. A martyr is somebody who's real serious about his witness for Christ. It doesn't mean God's calling you to die this week, but he is calling you to be a witness. To tell the truth about Jesus Christ and tell that to others. And, and they will like to hear from you because they know you are a person of truth. I'll say, I don't know. I don't know about this Jesus stuff, but I know you always tell the truth, and you, you live. You're my neighbor. You, you always are a truthful person. Tell me about him. Oh, boy. We have the privilege of this witness. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word were baptized that day with 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost, because the witness had started. And Peter was the chief witness that day, and he told the truth. Kevin DeYoung, one of the most powerful young teachers of the Word of God today, this is what he said. I love what he said. It's true. There is almost nothing more important than living our lives as being faithful witnesses. Our words must be trustworthy at all times. Otherwise, how will people believe us when we want to give them the word of life? Why should they trust us to speak of eternal things if we cannot be trusted to speak of temporal things? I'm thinking, Lord, drive that home to the believer. People of truth, people who do what God says. Because the price for being a witness, in this Greek word martis, where we get our word in English, martyr, the price, the price to be paid is that we will be ones who... Make a commitment of faith in Christ. Be willing to share it, no matter what the consequence. Lord, help me to be a martyr for thee, a witness. Not a false witness, a pseudo-martis, if you were to use the Greek word in the Old Testament. It's pseudo-martis. Don't be a false witness, but be the truthful witness for me. Sure commitment. we <laughs> But as we as we just close in prayer, what I'll say to you is sometimes I blow it with the witness. You know, God gives me a time to say to a person, I know that I'd like to tell you that Jesus Christ wants you to turn in faith and confidence to him. He wants to forgive you of your sins, but you need to trust him as your Lord and Savior. You need to ask him into your heart and say, Jesus, you're, a, you're, the, you're the Lord of all truth. I can trust you. You never will lie to me. I need your truth. And I asked Christ to come into my life and save me today. In fact, in this passage, uh, Peter was really, that we just read, Peter was really compelling them to come. But sometimes I just say, well, you know, I, 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 I don't know why. There's many excuses. Fear. No time. He might not like me or think good of me. Whatever it is, I don't share. And you don't have to share in any powerful, you know, ball them over way. You start sharing your t- your witness. Lord, help this church, because we're a missional church. We witness in all kinds of levels, from the pastor down to all of us. And that's, our, that's God's calling on us, to, to tell people to come to faith in Christ, because this world's a lion, brian, all the other nonsense stuff that we keep hearing. And I'm saying, Lord, we need to be people of the truth because Father, Son and Holy Spirit, you are the truth. And anything you ever say will come true. And I have the privilege, the awesome privilege of taking the God of truth and the and the Savior of truth and telling people about how wonderful and true he is. It's not like we have to say, "Well, don't listen to our leader. He's a liar." And, you know, but we have to kind of try to get you to like him anyway. <laughs> no. We're going out to tell you about the most wonderful thing there ever was, the God of truth who will lead you into truth. And someday you stand in heaven because Jesus has saved your very soul from sin and he's the only one to pay the penalty. Satan's a liar. We'll be able to say, thank you, God of truth. I have trusted you and you've never, ever let me down and you are the one who saved my soul and now has given me eternal life. Father, we thank you. There may be somebody in this room and we ask, dear Lord, that If they say, Jesus, I believe you're the truth. Your word is truth. Everything you say, you died to save me from my sins so that you paid for all my sins and right now come into my life and heart and save me, forgive me. I will follow thee and I will walk in truth. Something that maybe I needed to have done a long time ago. But right now, Jesus, I ask you to save me. I put my faith in you. And Lord, use this as a witness. Help us to stay far away from lies and deceit and false witnessing. And stand in the truth of our Savior. Lord Jesus, is not something we can do, but the Spirit of truth that you put in our spirits. He is the Spirit of truth, this Holy Spirit, and he will guide us into the truth. Lord, this week, help us to yield to him. In your precious name we pray. Amen.